Hello and welcome to Fibonacci, the Red Olive Data Podcast, where we hear from leading specialists and get their take on the industry. I'm your host, Nikki Rudd. Today, I'm joined by Carly Lund, Chief Digital and Data Officer at YSC Consulting, a boutique professional services firm that specializes in leadership consulting. YSC helps organizations identify and develop the leaders they need to achieve their business strategies now and into the future. The company was founded in London in 1990 and over the past three decades has expanded to include more than 225 professionals serving more than 20 markets across EMEA, the Americas and Asia Pacific across a wide range of industries and sectors. It has also been working on a massive data programme of work. A chartered psychologist, Carly has a proven record of building, developing and leading effective global consulting teams that can design and implement talent management solutions that meet clients' strategic goals. We chat about the sophisticated data modelling and data science programme of work for which Carly is responsible at YSC, how automation has improved her organisation's data quality by 100%, and how data is opening new services and solutions for YSC's future business strategy. Let's find out more. So YSC is a leadership strategy consultancy. And basically what that means is we help organizations to understand whether they have the right leaders to deliver their strategy. And we do that in a number of different ways. We work with leaders on the individual level to ensure that organizations have the right leaders, but also to develop those leaders. We work with teams of leaders and we also work at the organizational level to ensure that we've got the right culture, set all of those things up for success. And has that been a business that has been very sort of manual in the past, would you say? Yes, incredibly. So if we think about kind of psychology in general, there's kind of two sides to it. I always say there's two sides to psychology. There's the side that is the very sort of people-centric side to it, really wanting to kind of understand people in more depth, work with people and help people. And then there's the other side of it on the other extreme, which is the kind of the statistics and the data and the the science that sits behind a lot of the theory. YC is very much on the, or has been traditionally, on the side of the kind of the people-centric piece. So we've got some absolutely incredible consultants who work with leaders and teams and with our clients you know, and do really kind of in-depth psychological work. And that's, you know, traditionally until COVID hit, traditionally was in a room running one-to-one interviews or coaching sessions or whatever that might be. So the need or the presence of technology and data within that process has been relatively limited up until the kind of the last few years, I would say. Your role, how has that sort of changed then over the last couple of years? I actually joined YSC. I joined YSC about five and a half years ago, and I actually joined as a consultant in the European business. So I was actually working with leaders either to find, you know, see whether they're the right match for roles or I was coaching executives, that type of stuff. And so my role changed quite significantly when I moved into what was then the innovation team at YSC. So prior to joining YSC, I spent 10 years with a company called SHL who develop psychometric tests for kind of recruitment, basically. And so within that 
particular organization within that 10 years, I was working, kind of started off as a psychometrician. So I was developing the assessment tests. So things like personality tests, ability tests, situational judgment tests, that type of stuff. So I was kind of developing those, got a lot of experience in product management, that type of stuff. But I also worked at the client facing side as well. So I sort of bridged the gap between the real technical element of what we did in terms of building the product, but also how we worked with clients so that they got the best out of that particular product. And so when I joined YC, it was to do something completely different. And I lasted a year before I went back to actually, I want to go and develop products and services and do something more creative, more directly linked to the business and the kind of the commercial success of the business. I really get a kick out of seeing the impact of what I'm doing and seeing how that delivers value. And I felt that I needed more of that in my role. So I went back into the innovation team. And at that point, actually, I was, I was asked to look after a particular service and when you look after a particular service, you're always looking at, well, what's the next thing that we need to do with this particular service? How do we make this better for our clients? Are there things that our competitors are doing that we should be thinking about? Where's the market going? How do we evolve this? And so where it actually got to was the obvious thing to do with this particular service was actually to bring technology to it and to bring data to it. And so I started off doing that, really. I started off kind of evolving that proposition out, seeing what that would look like if we started to digitize it, if we started to make more of the data that was available, how would that evolve the proposition? And it kind of all went from there. So what we sort of realized from that point is that there was a much bigger opportunity around technology and data than we were first recognizing. And so it soon became apparent that actually what we needed to do was to go out, find a technology partner and find a data science partner. And, you know, one who was tasked with building out our technology platform and one who was tasked with helping us think through, well, what can we start to do with the data that we have to really start to make this technology really quite exciting for us as a business? And so from there, I stepped into my role now as Chief Digital and Data Officer for YSC. And so really, I'm looking after the entire strategy to digitalize our entire client offering but also to build out our data asset because, you know, the one thing that's really exciting about this opportunity is how can we start to use the data that we have on leaders, their teams and the broader organisation to really start to deliver some personalised insight that can really turn the dial in terms of actually the change that we can initiate in an organisation. Has it been a real learning curve? I mean, you obviously digital and data at the moment, but had you worked with data sets and stuff beforehand? Yeah, so I'm a real data geek. And I was actually thinking about this in preparation for speaking to you and where this all came from. But I've always really loved data. I've always really loved being able to get to an answer or at least closer to an answer. You know, I studied psychology. I qualified as an occupational psychologist. And the bit that I always loved was the statistics and the data within it and really getting closer to an understanding of human behavior through the use of data and tools like psychometrics and things like that. And so, you know, when I started off at SHL, that was what I was doing. I was designing the the items for the test, but I was also using data to make sure that they were reliably measuring what they were supposed to measure, that they were valid in the use of an organizational context. So yes, I can sit with a data set and analyze data and get to a kind of you know, get to the answers that I need to get to. The data skills have moved on significantly since the time that I was building psychometrics. I'm in awe of some of the skill sets that I'm now seeing come through. But at the base level, I know what to do with the data set. (laughs) Once you've got that, you know, sort of end game, if you like, that end project, you know what you want. How have you managed to 
facilitates getting what has been kind of quite a, I suppose, traditional organisation in that sort of, like you say, is the assessment of people. And I imagine there's an awful lot of forms and data collection and stuff at different stages of the journey. How have you managed to sort of bring the whole organisation on board to understand that? And has the project sort of been involved by senior teams and stuff like that because they can see the benefit? I think the answer to this question, it really is multifaceted and there isn't one thing that you do to really make this any easier. You know, there's lots of different strategies that we've had to deploy to really start the change process with YSE. And like I say, we are very early on in this particular journey. We're 12 months on from having our MVP in market. So there is plenty more to do and there's plenty more to do with the business to help them understand the possibility and the opportunity of what we're building. But I think on a base level, yes, having senior stakeholders on board, understanding the benefits of what you're doing, both from a client perspective, also from a consultant perspective, so from an internal efficiency type perspective, and then in terms of, well, actually, what's the value to us as an overall business and what we're trying to achieve from a strategic point of view. So there's multi-levels that you need to get the stakeholders on board with and understanding. And then I think there's a couple of other things that, you know, have been really important in terms of building momentum within YSE. One of them is just making sure that you're talking about it a lot with lots of different people. We have something that we call a home day where all of the business have to not have client stuff on that day and they tune into a global update and they have their own local updates and all of that sort of stuff. So it's big set pieces like that that you're taking advantage of to make sure you've got a slot in and make sure you're giving updates and you're feeding information. We have a monthly newsletter that goes out, which gives information on where we are, but also asks for input. We work with consultants and their clients in user groups to really understand actually is what we're building really good and actually is it fitting a need and kind of testing out that user experience bit. But also that's another touch point for people to kind of see it, to influence it, to really take it on board as, you know, something that they own too. And I think the one thing that I try to fight against a little bit is this isn't my thing that I'm building. This is our thing that we're building for the benefit of our business. And actually we've all got a role to play in that. And product development especially involves everybody in the business. You can't sit in a really siloed team with a closed door, just building something and expect it to be successful. It takes obviously input from people in the business and from our clients to design it, but it also takes input from finance to help us price it. It takes input from our commercial team to help us sell it. It takes input from our HR team to think about how we build capability around it. Every single person in the business needs to be involved. And I think if you can get that right, I think then everybody feels ownership over it and feels some responsibility and accountability for making it successful. And I'm not saying we get all of these things right all of the time. We absolutely don't. But like I was saying earlier, there's lots of different approaches that we have to take. And one of those is who we involve in what stages. It's really interesting, I think, whenever there's a big sort of technology step change, and I would hope that your organisation is actually ahead of the curve of this compared to an awful <laughs> lot, but there is a whole other layer of communication, isn't there, to make sure that people see the benefit rather than just change for change's sake. Is that something that you feel like it was managed better just because of the nature of your business and so people could see that clearer? 
than maybe other organizations. Are there any sort of learnings that you think, actually, that was really good that we did that? We got those people in at that time that, you know, if anybody was listening to this and they were thinking of doing the same sort of process, they could take on board. Again, I don't think I can pinpoint any one thing because I think it's been a combination of things that has really helped us, even down to the fact that COVID has helped us because suddenly the world was going digital in one way or another. So that helped our consultants and our broader business realize that actually, even if they didn't quite understand the ins and outs of everything that was being built and developed, they were thankful that there was investment and work going on to move us in a digital direction. And I think that was the first win really, was that I think as a broader business, it was suddenly recognized that this was the right thing for us to do. I think it existed in pockets before then. I think COVID did help shift the mindset of a lot of people. And then frankly, I think the other thing that always really helps is that there's clients asking for this. So, you know, we're under increasing pressure during proposal processes and in conversations with our clients to say, well, actually, what innovation are you doing? How are you future focused? Where's the technology element to this? How can I understand the impact that you're going to deliver in our business? And the only way to prove the impact or to start to, you know, at least show the impact is by ensuring data is at the heart of our consulting processes. So, you know, I think the more we get asked for it, the more that the understanding builds that is something that we need to do. But, you know, I think, you know, our CEO has been absolutely brilliant at been very focused on what are the things that are going to shift the dial for us. And he's been absolutely consistent in messaging into the business regularly that, you know, this is one of our core strategic priorities. So keeping it front of mind for everyone, they've only got three strategic priorities to remember. This is one of them. So it's it's been pretty clear. Yeah. So it's been pretty clear from that point of view. So, you know, like I say, there's a few different things that come together. I wouldn't pinpoint any one thing. And what I would really recommend is if someone is trying to do, you know, a program of work like this, that you sit down and you really map out who are all of our stakeholders, what's the messaging that they need to hear to get them on board, where are our forums for doing that, how do we make sure that we're regularly interacting at those forums, how do we build really good one-on-one relationships with key people, who are the people that are going to drive the kind of the change here, who are the ones that are always early adopters that we can get in front of, you know, nothing proves value, you know, like a client win. So as soon as you get some client wins, you know, taking that back out to the business, showing the difference that it's made, showing the impact of it, sharing the feedback that the client's been giving, that sort of stuff is really being proactive, jumping on every opportunity. And one big learning for me has been just because you say it once, don't expect that to be a given. (laughs) Yeah. Reinforce, 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 reinforce. Yeah, exactly. Have there been other sort of added benefits from it? I'm just thinking for that, you were mentioning about the kind of looking at the technology processes and trying to be more efficient. So I'm guessing that you've put in sort of more automated processes that have helped with that. Yeah. Can you give me some examples of those? And also with that, having those in place has kind of improved your data quality overall, do you think? 
100%. So we have a core service that we deliver, which is our leadership assessment service. And what that looks like is a consultant sitting with a leader for four hours to help understand whether they are suitable for a particular role or a particular promotion, or actually as a kind of purely developmental exercise to understand, well, what's the kind of development required here and how could we help you either through coaching or something like that. And if you look at that end-to-end process that we deliver, when we really broke that down, what we realized is that actually we were only actually capturing 20% of the data that was available to us through that process in any kind of consistent, coherent way. And so the real aim of that digitalization process that we went through to help understand what we need to do with the assessment piece was where are all of our touch points in terms of the ability to collect data at any point through the upfront briefing with the client, through the interview process itself, through the feedback session at the other end of it. It was really every single point, where's our opportunity to collect data? And then thinking through, well, okay, how do we need to build this workflow so that we make sure that we capture that data? And we don't just capture that data, we capture it in a way that is consistent so that we can leverage it in the future. So that was kind of the future focus piece. And by putting in that workflow, we actually up to now capturing 80% of the data that's available to us. So it's made a massive, massive difference in terms of the type of data that we've now got flowing in and the type of information that we can start to combine to really understand the leader in much more depth. And then the other part of it was an efficiency part of it. You know, there is a core piece of our delivery that takes up an incredible amount of time. And through working with data that we already had in existence, we have been able to build elements into that process through kind of predictive modeling that delivers efficiency for the consultant throughout that process. So the consultant now has some time back from just the efficiencies that have been made both by using actually external like kind of existing data that we had but also through actually building some efficiencies into the kind of the overall end-to-end process there's lots more to do there and what's actually benefiting that is the fact that we are now collecting a lot more data and so we can start to run that back into some of the models that we've built. We can start to broaden out some of the models that we've been building. And so actually, we're probably looking at about a 10% time saving at the moment for any one consultant, which is pretty good across the number of these assessments that we would deliver every year. But we could probably push that up far more to something like 50%, which would be hugely valuable. And is that the actual system that you've built then looking across those different sort of data sets and then coming out with a, this person needs to go to next? So actually, it doesn't all have to be the consultant leading it, but just being able to actually look at that information and then do kind of the best practice and advice and stuff like that from it. It's all about giving the consultant more insight from the data that we have to help them give more back to the client. So, you know, one of the exercises that we've really had to go through is thinking through what's the piece that is really the value that we're getting out of the consultant and then what's the value we're getting out of the technology and the data and bringing those two things apart initially to say, actually, if we look at the services that we deliver, this is the unique value that a human delivers in that in that particular kind of process. And here's where we can get some benefits out of data and technology to really superpower that human. And that's really what we're looking to do. You know, we're looking to improve the quality of our service, improve the quality of our insights through our consultants, through the use of technology and data. 
Obviously, Red Oliver has been sort of involved with you with some of that sort of predictive modelling work. We talked a little bit earlier about that kind of, you know, bringing technology on board and having to have a layer of communication so that people have an understanding of why you're doing things. I think predictive modelling and sort of data science is kind of, apart from being incredibly exciting, (laughs) you can sort of see, I think possibly might blow some people's minds as to kind of, you know, what's possible. How have you come across the sort of challenge of explaining that to your team and and sort of bringing them along for the journey? Because you've obviously got a kind of, I know I can sort of see where this is going, but I'd imagine there are quite a few people within the organisation that just wouldn't even think like that until they have their hand held and they're kind of were pulled a little bit <laughs> along the way. I think it depends how you frame it. I mean, in some ways, what you're doing with the data and the kind of the intricacies of that and the models that you're using or, you know, the process that you've gone through is sort of less important to the broader business and to our clients, actually. What's more important for them is what's the problem it's going to solve for me? What's the question it's going to answer? How does this make what we're doing better? And I think it's always framing it in those terms and really thinking it through from that perspective and being able to explain that perspective to people. That is far easier. I think there is a general level of acceptance that we have an awful lot of data. It's very special data and that we should be leveraging it in some way. I think everyone's quite happy to let me and my team solve that particular problem. But what they wouldn't want is for us to be working away at something and then they don't see the value at it when it hits them or they can't explain it in terms of the value that it delivers to our clients. That's the bit we've had to work really hard on. Actually, doing the maths is the easy bit. That kind of takes care of itself. You know, when we're working with Red Olive, you know, we get very excited about what we can do and what's the possibility and kind of sharing ideas and all of that sort of stuff. That's the exciting bit. You know, that's the bit where we can ideate in terms of where we want to get to. The tricky bit is then that translation into, well, what's the so what for the business and what's the so what for our clients? And that's the bit that you really have to work on. So I don't find myself having to explain any in-depth predictive modeling because I think we'll lose people as soon as we start to get into that conversation. I think they like to hear things like, you know, and I think everybody makes the assumption that if you say words like artificial intelligence and machine learning that, you know, you're going in the right direction. So I think they like to hear that that's what we're looking at and that's how we're kind of moving forward. But I wouldn't want to sit and kind of describe all the ins and outs of that. I don't think that would work. So, Do you think it's been helpful having an external data science experts working with you to, you know, sort of really look at that and break that down. Do you think you could have done that without having kind of somebody else who's outside of the business? No, I think it's been incredibly helpful. My team are all pretty new into the business and have come from other places. And that's been helpful in that they can see the opportunities in a way that I think sometimes when you've been in the business for a long time, you start to get a little bit ingrained into the culture and kind of what's the norm there type thing. But they haven't had the in-depth experience or expertise that Red Olive obviously brought. So I think, you know, having an external partner for this has not only made sure that we have that real fresh, completely independent view on actually what is it that we've got and what can we do with it. I think that's been hugely beneficial. I think the other thing that I always find from working with partners on things like this is that they're also working 
with different people across different industries, you know, in different types of organizations and all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's where it becomes really interesting as well is actually just because it's not another leadership consultancy or whatever, actually what is being done elsewhere and how do we bring that in and what data do we have to make that possible? I I always find that really interesting as well, just benefiting. And, you know, having been a consultant myself, I get clients ask me that a lot as well, you know, what are you doing with other clients? And, you know, it's hugely beneficial to hear that sometimes. That learning of best practice from kind of wider industries is always helpful, isn't it? Particularly when you're sort of looking at the amount of sophisticated data modeling that is actually going on within your business. There is a tendency, I think, sometimes for people to be kind of quite siloed, even just within data projects, when you're then trying to open them up and make them organization-wide to sort of see how the data flows and what benefits can you get from it. That can be quite a challenge, I think. So I was going to ask about what the project has meant for future-proofing the business. You obviously mentioned about the fact that you came at it from a, we'd like to see if we can do this as a new service. How has it transformed the work that you do and what you're going to be offering in the future? So I think we're very early in that journey and just starting to see some of the benefits that are coming through. You know, as like I said, we've set ourselves up to collect the data now that we didn't necessarily have before. So it is going to take us a while to build out the volume of data that we need to do some of the more exciting transformational things that I think is totally possible. You know, like I said earlier, I think we're already starting to see some of the efficiencies come through in terms of the delivery. I think just us having a data strategy, understanding how we want to build up our data, the different data types that we want to start to bring in and all of that sort of stuff just sets us up to have a very different conversation, I think, with clients. So I think we're already starting to see that as well and starting to kind of move the dial in terms of having more data-driven conversations with our clients, using their data to open up possibility with them. And I think, you know, even just with this small starting point, that's already happening. And I think, you know, the more that we can do that, the more that we can get data back in and the better that we can make that loop as well. You mentioned about AI and machine learning. And I think at the moment, it's a really interesting space with your business in particular, you know, sort of what roles an actual physical human being could do and what can be done by AI. What are you most excited about, about the kind of data space in the future? It depends where you sit on the spectrum of actually is everything just algorithmic and data and actually humans aren't even humans. It sort of depends where you sit with that. But I think for the industry that we're in and for the services that we're delivering, the excitement for me is about the personalization piece. And so actually, if we think of a a leader in isolation And we think about all of the different data inputs that are now available to us through the use of technology, either in the work environment or personally, and how the combination of all of that data starts to give us a picture of that particular individual, an understanding of that person that we would never have been able to have before. And then what that means in terms of personalization of service, personalization of recommendation, how you can really start to create that rapport between the consultant and the individual, because actually the consultant has got an understanding of that individual that they've never, ever had before and that they never could have gained 
gained access to before. Because, you know, if you think about our coaching sometimes, okay, you have an hour in the room with an individual. What happens outside that room? Nobody has any idea. All you've got is the account of that particular individual leader. But what technology and data enables us now to do is have that ongoing information loop. So actually you get far more precise in terms of what your understanding is of what's happening and therefore what you can recommend off the back of that. So for me in the medium, that feels like the biggest opportunity that data can provide to us at the moment that, you know, is the next bit I really want to crack. But we're still at the point where we're building the basics, but we definitely will get there. Obviously, you're an expert on leadership. How do you think future leaders are going to be affected by AI and machine learning and getting the balance right within sort of teamwork and within an organization's culture? Can you sort of see how how that might change or is it going to be a bumpy ride or is it going to be a smoother one, do you think? It's interesting, isn't it, for organisations at the moment? I think organisations have used data in things like customer service for an awfully long time. The bits where, you know, it really, really directs, impacts the commercial value of the business. I think there's been a lot of movement in using data to really help understand where some of the pain points are, where some of the opportunities are and improving those types of elements of the organisation. You know, the people analytics space is really interesting and has really been gaining momentum over the last kind of five to 10 years. And I think, you know, where organisations are now looking to ensure that they retain their people, that they develop their people, you know, they're a huge asset as part of the business. And so I think, using data to understand their people and how they can shift things like culture to ensure that actually they're engaging people in the right way and they're retaining people in the right way or using data to help understand in a similar way to we would do, have you got the right leaders for the future? How do you develop those leaders? What's the best kind of intervention to ensure that your future fit and yourself for success? So I think our leaders at the moment are very used to using data in some aspects of their work and it feels very very natural and and very you know very very part of their day-to-day basis that kind of role but I think they're less used to using data to understand their people and actually the benefit that that data brings them to help have a high-performing team or to make the right selection decisions or to give the right development support and advice. They're less used to doing that, but I think that is something that they're going to have to get to grips with. And I think, you know, in our experience where that is the case and where that data is available, they can't believe the amount of insight that that opens up to them and the amount of different support they can then provide to their people. So I think that's something they're going to have to come to get to grips with. But I think also if there isn't, a leader who isn't looking at the technology that's available and the data that's available to them and trying to leverage that to understand actually how can they shift their strategy with that. They're going to struggle to do their jobs. We talked a little bit about automated processes and trying to make a, particularly with YSC, but also for any organisation more efficient with that. Do you feel, particularly within your business, that because you've had, for example, people who'd be able to enter in more data themselves, I'm guessing might be a kind of process that would make sense for you guys, that they are more honest or more open about what they want to share with you, which you in turn can take to get a better picture of that personality or that personality type. So this has been one of the core principles that we've built into our work. And so we know that people are happy providing data 
if they're going to get something back off the back of that data. And if what they get back is of value, then they are likely to be more transparent in order to get the right insight and value back. I think that works both ways as well. I think the organization has to have a principle around transparency, how that data is being used so that you actually build up that trust between the individual and the organization that the data is being used in the right way and stuff like that. So, you know, through our work, we've made sure that when an individual gives data they get something back off that. It doesn't just go into a void for HR to use or whoever. They get insight off the back of that and they get recommended action off the back of that. And so those principles are baked into everything that we've done. And so as long as they're getting value from it, then they will put more data in and therefore we get more value out of that data that we're collecting as well. So I think that's really, really key. I think if we didn't do that and we just sent out a bunch of surveys and that data was used elsewhere in the organization to make some decisions and the individual never knew what happened to that or got anything back on an individual basis, then I don't think that works. I think that's one of the trends, isn't it? That Actually, as you're collecting data, you can personalize your surface. And actually, that personalization just adds, no matter whether it's just, you know, sort of like you say, you know, sort of business organization leadership, but also across every facet of business. I mean, you know, our background's obviously marketing and comms, and we have the same thing. You know, if you can personalize something, it actually does have much more emphasis. I think that person feels more engaged with it. So that's something I can see you guys would probably think is up there as almost a given, but actually just because of the very nature of the business that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Usually we end our chats with finding out kind of what skills you think a data professional coming in to the industry would be most useful. I don't think they need to be kind of, you know, maths or as you said, a data geek, as you classed yourself earlier. But what skills do you think, you know, so a data professional have? I'm also, because I've also got you as a leadership expert as well, what are the big trends that you think future leaders would need as well? So you can choose one or the other. I'm going to take the data one to begin with, because I think that's quite interesting and something that, you know, is something that we're kind of working through at the moment. Data skills, being able to code, being able to build statistical models and all of that sort of stuff, I think is becoming a skill that is much more widely available now. We certainly haven't got a lack of people that we could go to to find that type of skill. I think the bit that is always really key for us is having some commercial understanding and then also having the ability to influence and work with people. So going back to everything that we've been talking about in terms of how do you start to embed some of this stuff in the business? Yes, it's about the buttons that you click and the things that you do, but it is also about actually what's the organization that I'm bringing this into? What's the context? What are the commercial drivers? What's the value that I'm trying to add here? And so really making sure you understand that so you can contextualize the work you're doing, you can prioritize effectively, you understand, you know, what it is that you're doing and therefore the recommendations that you need to make. And then I think it's just the ability to work with people and collaborate and be able to build up those relationships so that, you know, the recommendations and the advice that you're giving off the back of the work that you've done lands well, that it, you know, it gets the right backing, it gets the right time given to it. So that's it for me that I think it's having the understanding, obviously, and the technical skill, but then it's how do you leverage that skill in a way that delivers impact and value in a commercial environment? Um, For leadership, leaders of the future. (laughs) 
So, I mean, I obviously have a huge one around being able to understand the opportunity that technology presents you and being able to be open-minded to that possibility and how you bring that in to make your function or your team or whatever that might be better than it was before. I think there is something about the ability to continually learn and adapt. It's obvious that we've been through a significant amount of change, but, you know, we've always gone through an awful lot of change. And I think actually, if you can see what's happening externally, if you can have an appreciation for how that's going to impact you in your role in your business, and you can start to learn what you need to learn and to adapt and to do the things that will set you up for success in the future, I think that's huge. And then I think one of the key pieces of research that one of my colleagues at YC has been doing is around just the kind of the issues that leaders have to deal with now and understand and have an appreciation of so that they can lead their people and the expectations that their people have on them to you know understand things about sustainability health and well-being and you know I think there's an awful lot that's on leaders' shoulders at the moment in terms of what they have to deal with. It's not just a job and going in and making sure the people in your team do the work that they're supposed to do. There's a whole host of other expectations. So, you know, really getting to grips with, well, what are those expectations? What do my people really look to me to understand the types of decisions that I need to make? What's the values and purpose that I want to kind of deliver through those decisions as well? I think that's also pretty big. Some really interesting insights on leadership and getting value from data from Carly. Join us for the next episode of Fibonacci, the Red Olive Data Podcast, where we'll be joined by another data expert sharing their thoughts on the latest trends in AI and big data. Make sure you subscribe to Fibonacci, the Red Olive Data Podcast from wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss it. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Nikki Rudd. See you next time.